Well, it's another wild, wild week in markets. We're asking a lot of questions. We're not seeing any circuit breakers and markets can't price risk in this situation. So many equity indices at the moment are in bear market territory. The US dollar is king and commodities are for the bravest of souls. We go inside all of these factors as we assess the trade-off. Well, hi, I'm Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone. And talking of brave souls, I've got joined by my friend Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And as always, we're going to be unpacking all these crazy moves that we're seeing in financial markets through multi-asset classes, through different technical setups. We're going to be looking at all the key themes that are making news at the moment and try and work out what the trade is at the moment going through these markets. So as always, if you want to get in on the channel, get in on the channel and make a comment. We love your comments. We love to hear what you have to say. There's some great engagement going through the community at the moment. So many people have got some really intelligent things to say about what's happening. And we want to hear from you. So just give on the program and, and leave your comments and we'll reply where we can. Uh, give it a like if you can as well. And that will obviously help with the program going forward as well. So before another ado, let's, uh, let's bring the great man back into the program. Blake, how are you, mate? You well? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Chris? Good, mate. Good. Look, I, I, you know, carnage, tin, ho tin hats, that kind of stuff. What's, I talk about circuit breakers, what, what's, the, what's, what's, the, uh, what, what, what's the thing that you're looking out for right now um, that, that gives you a sense that things are just overdone, overcooked? Um, I'm looking for the, uh, the markets in turmoil uh, uh, piece on CNBC's <laughs> yeah. screen. Soon as I see that, I know it's about time to be leveraged long anything and everything. We're not there at the moment, uh, and we make a, we make a, we make a joke of the situation. Obviously, it's a very serious situation. Yeah, people are losing money, people are, are making money, but obviously, the driving force behind all of this is is a very serious situation, and we can't. Forget of course, that. we can't forget. But yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah, CNBC comes up. <laughs> I think we know that that's the point of maximum pessimism being priced into market, but I don't think we're there yet anyway. But anyway, let's go straight into the program and let's 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 have a look at topical funder and go through some of the factors that are making the news at the moment. Blake, I want to talk about the big picture. Let's set the scene here because we just talked about markets in turmoil. Markets really are in turmoil at the moment. We've got the VIX trading getting into the high 30s. You know, they're talking, yeah, the implied move on a daily basis on the S&P is well over 2%. You know, you've got the, the NASDAQ in bear market territory at the moment. Tech can't find a friend. You've got incredible volatility in commodity prices. I mean, wheat, you can't get a trade on. Every day, it, it, it just opens up limits up. You can't get a trade. Um, but it's, you know, it's just flying. It's trading like a, a meme stock. You know, you're seeing incredible movement in the currency markets. The implied volatility in the euro is super high, multi-year highs. Um, and for me, if I can be afforded this situation, is, is we're trying to understand the circuit breakers that, that change this. And, and there's three major factors. There's one, you know, what's gonna ha what, what are Russia going to do? What's Putin going to do? And we don't know the answers to that. Um, we can't price risk around that, so we can't find the circuit breaker. The second thing, well, it's de-escalation is the circuit breaker. The, third, the second thing is, yeah, what are the Fed going to do? And, and for me, they haven't got the markets back. We're looking for a circuit breaker from the Fed and it's not coming. The third thing is around the food crisis. What does the, uh, the price in, in, in wheat and all these factors mean for emerging markets? We're looking for all these circuit breakers. We can't see them. And, and that's why we're seeing the volatility. What, what are you sensing here? 
You know, I, I, I think it's just the, the extremes are going to, we're, we're, we're either at the peak or very close to the peak, Chris. And, you know, I was actually just randomly at a ice cream place with my nephew, uh, uh, he's a three-year-old, uh, boy and we're having ice cream and this person next to me starts talking to me and talking about, you know, uh, commodity prices. And yeah. I mean, I got just, it was a lady with her kids talking to me about commodity prices and about how it's going to squeeze the consumer. But I mean, you're, you're seeing, you're seeing it everywhere. And I, and I think that this is like going to be one of those circuit breaker moments where inflation might get the best of, you know, the, this, this high inflation might get the best of everyone. And, and I think that's kind of like where we're at with the markets. It is just at such a fever pitch right now. I feel like we are going to, we are about ready to break. What are, what are your thoughts on, well, on a, yeah, I mean, look, my, 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 my father-in-law's a, a cattle farmer. He's got a big property up in Northern Territory, a multi-millionaire kind of situation. I'm thinking, mate, can you start growing some wheat? Because, you know, the Ukrainian farmers can't can't plant it at the moment. And, and you know, that's yeah. the situation. I mean, maybe that's maybe I'm the top of the market. or <laughs> Maybe I am the new ice cream or the taxi situation. But, yeah, I, I you know, you are, for me, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the major issue here is the market wants the Fed to pivot, but they're not going to pivot. You know, we're going to see an inflation read this week and you do not have the, the Fed's back this time around and the market feels vulnerable across asset class. We've got poor liquidity going through the market, awful liquidity. Yeah, it's easy to move markets. Yeah. You've got margin calls going off left, right, centre flow. I don't think we're past the eye of the storm at the moment. I still think there's a lot of circuit breakers, a lot of questions being asked and we're not getting the answers at the moment. So I think there's more to come. <laughs> And that's the that's the point you you should be you should be making is that uh, the the Fed does not have the markets back at this moment. They have to either fight, you know, slower growth or they got to fight inflation. And right now they're going to be fighting inflation. Sure. And we'll be finding out uh, in just a couple of topics how much how how hard they're going to fight. But let's take a look at the euro. Yeah. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the euro currency because my question is. Is this move a little overdone? And and I I'll be the first one to admit, Chris, I stood in the way, uh, took some of my profits, but you know, the euro looked like it would find some sort of lows, but it just kept going lower mm. almost across the board. On my week ahead video for for you know just that we put out every week yeah. that I've been doing for years, uh, I talked about the euro hitting a multi-decade low. I mean, this is where you know the creation of the euro single currency. You connect the lows and we're basically, we went below it today, but we closed back above it. And I think these are going to be really pivotal levels, but also, you know, I look at sentiment and sentiment is at five, two days in a row. That was five on Friday, five overnight today. That's some very, very extreme sentiment that I honestly can't remember reading for the years that I've been doing or, or looking at sentiment. I don't ever remember it this bearish. So that usually yeah. means it, it, it you'll get a snapback. So what are your thoughts here on the euro and with how it's trading against other think, currencies? I think when you've got an event like what we're seeing at the moment, not just the Fed, but obviously the geopolitical issues, um, you know, some of these technical readings, it's just it's very difficult to, to look at. You know, people are, you know, we've got the RSIs on, on, on the euro dollar, euro crosses at, you know, ridiculous levels. Um, you go into the options market and, and put volatility uh, one week and one month, put volatility trades at you know, insane differentials or the skew relative to call volatility. Um, and that's a, that's a one of the sentiment readings. You can look at the DSI that you talked about. I mean, there's so many of these factors which are multi-year lows and, and so extreme. 
But when you've got an event like we're seeing at the moment, then you know, does any of these matter? Um, well, yeah, we need a turning point. Yeah, if we get a de-escalation, which we're not seeing at the moment, but yeah, if we were to see it, yeah, absolutely, euro is going to rock it, absolutely rock it, because that that sentiment gets unwound. Until that point, I think euro dollar probably trades down into one hundred five. I mean, we've got an ECB meeting this week, and I think they're going to have to tread very, very carefully as well. Maybe we're going to see some some euro uh, shorts coming out ahead of that, but I think the euro dollar, the risk is at the moment, despite this sentiment, we go down to one hundred five. You mean we're not going to get a draggy? do whatever it takes moment with Lagarde? We're not going to get that? What is the do whatever it takes, though? To be honest, you've got high, rising inflation expectations in Europe. You've got five-year, five-year forwards well above 2% now and rising, but you've got a stagflationary environment and they've got to set policy to that. Well, they're going to be dovish, at me, in, in my opinion, on that situation. So, yeah, I think Europe's Europe's tough. People want their money out of Europe. It's, 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 it's almost ground zero in there. Uh, and that's why the euro has been flogged. Euro equities have been smashed. And, and you know, so me, the euro is, 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 is until we get a, a clear understanding, Europe underperforms in a big way. Well, and that's one thing that the, that's happened with the euro is it's been it's, it's been repriced. The market's repriced. Whether we get a bounce or a consolidation probably has more to do with geopolitics than any technical indicators we see. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. But I, I think one of the other issues that we've got to look at is is this week we've got CPI coming through in the US, right? So, yeah, what you guys are feeling on the ground. I mean, whether this is real or whether actually what you're feeling in price pressures is is something actually difficult. You know, the Fed sets policy by PCE, but we always um, reflect on CPI. That's what the market's more sensitive to. Now, I think it's really interesting because, as I say, I think one of the big concerns for equity markets for for markets more broadly is is the lack of belief that this time. The Fed have got their back. This time is genuinely different. Um, and in March 2020, we saw, you know, the Fed coming out, raise, uh, cutting rates to zeros, you know, basically getting negative real rates right down, coming out with incredible spaghetti soup of unconventional monetary policy settings. Uh, this time, they're not going to do it. I mean, we've got an inflation read this week. The market's looking for inf- headline inflation, which I think is the, the one you want to look at, to push up to 7.8, 7.9%. If we get an eight handle on inflation when unemployment is at full employment, how how on earth can the Fed react to market pricing? This is just such a, a crazy shift. So I think if we get an 8% level, the market takes another dive lower. Yeah, rates probably sell off. We go higher yields. Equity markets just take lower because you've got an 8% level. It just it incentivizes the Fed to say, you're on your own market, Mr. Market. This time's different. What do you think? Well, you know, I, well, I guess the question I got to ask you, Chris, and I want to ask this specifically to you, is a, a, a hot reading at 8%, is that provoking the Fed to actually raise rates by a half a basis point? Do you think they'll actually do that? I can't see them doing 50. I mean, look, market pricing at the moment is is around 90%. We get 25 basis points. Uh, yeah. 8% read is a little bit hotter. Uh, yeah, you might get the, the Fed funds selling off a little bit and you might see the, you know just over a, a maybe 25, 30 basis points priced in, maybe. But yeah. I think in this situation, this dynamic, look, one of the concerns you have is that if you look at the yield curve, the difference between two and five year treasuries or two and 10 year treasuries or longer yield, the yield curve is basically saying to the Fed, you're either going to raise into a recession or you're going to be the people who, who actually create the recession. Because yep. so much of this is created by supply side issues that raising rates is going to lower demand. Now, lower demand when you're actually seeing lower supply is not a bad thing. 
this is not a demand issue and you're going to cripple a dis- a demand in this situation. So I think- the Well, yeah, that- and if you do that, then you, 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 you cripple demand into a rising inflation, then people still really for, for real this time start throwing around the stagflation Exactly. So the question is, word all the, time. the question is, is our job, Blake, is to price risk and react to risk events that are coming through. When you've got these tiptronic players, you don't know what to believe or want to understand in terms of what's going on in the Ukraine and what's what Russia are planning to do and these factors. We can't price risk around that. <clears throat> we can't price risk around what the Fed are doing or what central banks are doing because you know should they raise rates? Should they cut rates? Should they ease off when inflation's going up and demand's going down? I mean, our understanding and ability to price risk is very low, which is why we're seeing um, such low liquidity and why we're seeing such high volatility, in, in my view. Well, you, you know, Chris, CPI obviously is going to be that's that's what everybody's looking for. I, I actually think that the CPI read could be bigger than <laughs> than, than uh, like might even be bigger than the interest rate decision going into next week, believe it or not. But we'll we'll see. But, it, you know, we also need to talk about commodities since we are talking about inflation. Mm. Let's talk about commodities. And, and are we at peak commodity prices? Because one of the things that's going to clamp down on this rise, this meteoric rise that we've seen, you, you pointed out wheat, you look at natural gas, you look at, you know, uh, heating oil, um, uh, just Regular gasoline, crude oil, crude, you know, trade up to what did we trade up to today? 126? Oh, One, we got up to 130 in. in, in 130? In stock, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, but everything across the board, prices are going up. And at what point, I got to ask this, will it stifle demand where people say, you know what? I have to cut out this to pay for that. Yeah. And when you have a, I know the U.S. economy, so much of the U.S. economy is paycheck to paycheck. And that's a fact. Mm. And, uh, and, and I know that our savings have been bolstered a little bit with, the, with what the, the Fed and the, and the government did back in COVID. But that was two years ago, Chris, yeah. or a year ago or whatever was it was. That was spent on crypto anyway, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Everybody bought Bitcoin when it was at 60K. You know, so, I mean, but, but realistically, Chris, how do you feel about commodities and these prices where we're at? I mean, at what point does the market just say, screw it, I'm not buying it anymore? It's difficult, mate, isn't it? Like, um, you know, crude, like, I think everyone sort of bought crude on the idea that the US are going to cut back on uh, importing Russian uh, Russian crude. The, the, I think the US imports about 495,000 barrels a day. They can take that supply from elsewhere. I mean, the Saudis potentially... I don't know, but you know the Canadians can 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 offer some to their North American brethren. Um, but Argentina. You know, but, but the issue here is is what happens in Europe. Ultimately, Europe are the 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 elephant in the room. I mean, if if you like Germany have said they're going to lower their reliance on on European on on Russian gas and and crude by eighty percent over the coming years or so, uh, and maybe that's a signal. But if Europe were to come out and 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 cut back, then I think. You know, you'd be looking at 150 on crude easily. Um, we're not sure if that's going to happen. They'd be shooting themselves in the foot. Um, but that's that's the elephant in the room. Is is what the Europe? So the US have pulled back a little bit. I don't. I'm not calling a top on this. I think we. You know, th- this is for the brave. The range expansion in so much of these commodities is huge. Your position sizing needs to be absolutely tiny because the risk that you're taking on these positions is huge so if you're brave enough to trade this space wheat i mean you can't even get a fill on wheat it just opens up limit up every day <clears throat> gold's a little bit easier you know we're back above 2000 now 
Uh, copper got above $5, it pulled back a little bit, you know, and, and whether we can pull back up there. But, you know, I think this, I'm not calling a top in any of these commodities at the moment, but I am saying that if you are trading them, the ranges that you're seeing on a daily basis are insane. Your position They're sizing real. needs to be minimum in these in, in these markets if you're going to survive in, 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 and, and you continue to play in this game. Anyway, let's go into some of the charts that, that Blake and I are looking at. Let's go, let's go to that's a setup. Right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick things off, Blake, because I've been banging this uh, Euro Aussie drum for a while. And if we've got the chart up there, um, the question is: is it, is it now time to take profits? I tend to like the idea of selling this into rallies. We, you know, we've called this one fairly well. Um, you know, it's, look at it. I mean, you can make a, you can make some sort of GIF out, GIF or what's the word you use? I'm not sure what the, the, uh, the social media term is. Like, you know, it's just basically bang down the elevator. Um, and it really vomiting just, camel. Yeah, it just kind of spewed, <laughs> didn't it? And it just, it just. It, but it's, but this has been the quintessential FX play. I mean, it's got everything going for it, isn't it? It's got thematic special situation. You know, everyone everyone wants out of Europe. Everyone's shorting Europe. Everyone loves the Aussie because it's the commodity play. It's the it's the safe haven place to be in this world. You know, it benefits from all of this. So if you mix the two together, you've got this perfect cacophony of reasons to sell. No one's buying it. It's just gone down. It's just gone down the drain. The question now, as we've gone through the ECB, is we've got this bullish outside day reversal playing through uh, off very very oversold conditions. Now, can it can it take some of these short term moving averages into the ECB? I I want to sell this into what into higher levels. I think I get that, Phil. Um, what do you think? Well, I actually, I'm hoping you get the Phil because uh, I tried playing this at the end of last week uh, and I woke, I, I woke up overnight. It was down, you know, for this pair, it was down like 70 pips or something. Closed it out really quick. It was a small position, but actually on Sunday night or when the market's open, I reestablished a position. So I'm up and I'm up pretty good right now. Nice. Now, I hope it rallies a little bit back into resistance. If it can even make it to 150, that'd be great. But the Euro Aussie, as far as I'm concerned, unless there is a, uh, a, a you know, a de-escalation, ceasefire, talks really, you know, to really take hold, I, I, th- I see it more as more of a consolidation, a bearish consolidation. While we're trading below 152, 153, you've got to just continue to be trading it on the short side more with size. Like if you're going to trade a counter trend like I am, trade smaller size. Yeah, that's right. I think if we, yeah, yeah. 150 would be, a, a yeah, the market's dropped 10% or so in, in from, from that, that massive double top. Um, the positioning, it just needs a, a little bit of a flush out. Obviously, wait for, for markets to give you the sign. But yeah, a bit of a flush out would be, would be very encouraging to, to reestablish short positions in this pair. Yeah. Well, let's take a look over at the Canadian yen because this is, a currency pair that I was actually following pretty pretty closely going into last week. And it was breaking out to the top side. You can see that upper arrow. We had this triangle. It looked like it was breaking out. And the one thing about the Canadian I need to point out is the rally that you've seen in crude oil has not translated to Canadian strength. And a lot of people are probably a little wrong-footed because of that, Chris. And so if there is some sort of, you know, some sort of relief, whether it's, you know, you know, for, for crude oil, however it may, it may happen, um, we could actually see the dollar Canadian, or excuse me, the Canadian yen actually reverse lower to build a Gartley pattern, which would take us close to like 180 or 86.50. And that would be a level 
that I'd be looking at to go long and a Gartley completion to go long down at 8650. What do you think about that, Chris, especially with with Canadian and crude oil, the way it's been trading? Never really, uh, never really been a Gartley guy, to be honest. So I've never really explored it. So I can't really give too much color on, on that. But I will say that, you know, if you go really where we've been through this year, we've traded like a pretty good range, actually. And it hasn't trended like some of the other pairs, 91.60, 89.60, around those kind of red range. It says, if if you were to zone in on that, you could actually see that we've been trading this really lovely real range. So I think if we get a downside break of 89.60, you probably get that level. You know, we'd be targeting 87 as the the D on the Gartley there. But uh, yeah, I'd want to see that because it has been holding a range. So there's been some, I I really like trends. I really like things that are moving. I like, uh, you know, I like to buy strength. I like to sell weakness. For me, um, the the fill comes on, on a close for eighty nine sixty. I think we then sort of trade down to there. So I've got no position. I've got no real strong feeling on on this cross at the moment. Um, I will probably increase my conviction and look to trade it through eighty nine sixty. I think that's the level. All right, that sounds sounds good. Yeah, we might cool. be on the opposite sides of this one. Well, no, you're saying <laughs> down there. I'm I'm just saying through eighty nine sixty. I think that's where you know the momentum trade goes and and the buyers dry up and you need probably push down there. So I'll probably oh yeah, there. below the two hundred day moving average, maybe. Minute, yeah, right? I'm with you. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. All right, talking about markets, I have to look at the uh, the US five hundred here. I have to use look at, at US equity markets. Um, it's dark, isn't it? It's really dark in the markets at the moment. The equity markets, so US European markets have have been flogged. But what we're seeing now is is we're right on the support level um, on on the US five hundred, the S and P five hundred. There, you know, you can't find a friend. Energy's doing okay within that. Um, yeah, materials even getting taken down. Um, but we're right on the support level at the moment. So, you know, we tried to make uh, a move up into 44, 47, failed miserably. Uh, we're testing that lower Bollinger Band at the moment. I think those Bollinger Bands start expanding. Uh, I think a break of that, that, that 4,200 level, um, and really, you know, we, 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 it gets uglier. I mean, it's pretty ugly at the moment. The Nasdaq's in bear market territory. We're down 20%. Um, the S&P is down about 12% or so from this high. So it's holding up a little bit better. Um, but I think we're right on key support here. Um, do we? Why would I buy? I just don't know why I'd be buying at the moment. Uh, plenty of reasons to sell. Um, but maybe the reason that I don't want to buy is, is reason to buy in itself. What do you think? Well, I, you know, a lot of I talked to a lot of very savvy technical people. And a lot of people are targeting 4,000 and I, you know, up on the S and P I'm not short. I don't have a position on the S and P right now. I've been looking to sell rallies. Just the rallies have been much smaller than I'd hoped. Yeah. I was at, or yeah, much smaller than I hoped. I, re, I was really looking for more of a move up towards the 200 day moving average, right. which comes up around 44, like 80, 44, 90, somewhere around there. I was really looking to sell into, but it doesn't look like that's going to come to fruition. But, you know, Chris, I actually want to sell rallies here. I don't yeah. necessarily want to buy dips. Although if it did get to the 4,000 big figure level, I sure would like to see how it, how it uh, reacts around there to see if it is bounce worthy, if you will. I think the, uh, that 20 day, which you can see is the orange line in the middle of the Bollinger Band, that's holding, holding, uh, the holding up play. I think the fact that we sold off there tells you that the market wants to go lower. Uh, so I see the risk skewed to the downside. As I say, the market is saying, where's the Fed? Where are you, Fed? Can't find it. We're feeling alone. I think the market trades lower. CPI number this week, if we get it above 8%, and um, yeah, it's good night, Irene, I think, in the, in the equity market, unfortunately. But we can't be lazy, you know, in, in these markets. If the market's going down and you've got investments, hedge them. Why not hedge them? I mean, there, there's no reason to, to not do that. Um, I think if we get an 8% level, then um, yeah, I think it goes lower. And I think, yeah, that, that, that trend is, uh, is going to get bearish again. 
All right. Well, what, one of the things that may do it to it, Chris, might be the ten-year uh, yield. And I want to I want to focus a little bit on the ten-year yield because it's actually back testing a very big. Well, you know, this is a triangle, and it was a triangle breakout way back in. Um, well, I guess that was right at the beginning of January uh, when stocks really peaked and they hit the all-time highs. Yields broke out, and that breakout really kind of put a little bit of selling pressure into equities. What we've seen is we've seen it back up towards that breakout point and that blue trend line you can see right there, Chris. One of the things that's been so surprising to me is that the that bonds and bond yields, let's just say bond yields have been holding up very well in light of this very weak market. And I think the way you translate it is exactly what you said earlier. This is the market saying, hey, look, the Fed doesn't really have our back right now. But if we see a rise in yields and we see a bounce at, at current levels, you know, is that going to be following like a hot print from CP, uh, out of CPI uh, tomorrow? What do you think with uh, the 10 year yield here, Chris? Well, it's got, um, yeah, I mean, getting into fixed income, I mean, it's, you've, got, you've got those cross currents, haven't you, between higher inflation expectations on the break evens. You've got you know, realized inflation, which is going to push up. Uh, and and demand for safety at the same time. So you've got you know, two push pull on. Uh, you know, you want you want high quality assets. You know, there's bidding quality assets, which of course is the treasuries come into that situation. But at the same time, inflation expectations around the world are moving up, and that's that's changing term premiums and various factors. So it's difficult to trade these markets right now. Obviously, if we get a you know an above expectation CPI number, then you may see some selling. But I think most of that selling is going to be probably in the front end of the curve. I'd be looking at twos and five year treasuries. The more important situation for me right now is. Is the shape of the yield curve and what that's telling you? And right now, that telling me that's telling me that the the, the market says to the Fed, you shouldn't be raising rates in the, into this environment. And I think that's that's right, that's- right. Well, you know, I I I I have to say the bid the bid in in Treasuries isn't quite there and not what you would expect in today's current environment, Chris. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, if, uh, on that slightly sour note, let's go to our player of the day. Blake, I've got uh, I've got the dollar index up now. Obviously, we know that's a, a sort of an aggregation of, of various um, currencies traded against that. Fifty seven percent weighted to the euro. Uh, interesting that we have seen the euro um, find a little bit of stability above one hundred eight, um, but you know it's been taken over by other currencies. So while the euro was okay, you know we saw other weakness in the pound looks pretty ropey at the moment, and other you know the dollar yen uh, you know the yen's um, found some sellers there as well. I think this trade's higher. The question is, does it take out? Does it take out the hundred level? I think it does. Um, it's a bit overbought. That's a worry. Um, but I wouldn't be betting against this one. I, I think by the end of the week, we probably see. Um, I, I think they see this above hundred. I could be wrong. Um, get out the trade, you know, through ninety-eight. But I, I, I'd be looking for this to trade above 100 and I think yeah the CPI number while I've got no insight whether that's going to be better than expected the trend is that we do see CPI I think like the last 10 uh, eight of them have been better than expected so I think CPI drives us there maybe we get some some selling in yields and and that takes there but I wouldn't be betting against the dollar right here I think the dollar index trades for 100 well yeah that's uh that's a good looking chart and Chris I I'm I'm surprised it took the dollar as long to catch a bid, but maybe it's all Euro related. Who's, who knows? Um, but the chart I wanted to bring to your attention, a little bit of a little bit of a cross play here, because this is going to be uh, my copper versus crude play. 
and that's the okay. Aussie Canadian. And it has a lot of confluence uh, right up at the 9450 level. We hit a 50% retracement of the 2021 highs to the 2022 lows. And then it's also 127% extension of basically the last move down, which took place the end of December to January. Then we reversed higher. I actually think that this confluence up at 94.50 is going to hold. And I'm actually looking to sell rallies as long as we stay below that. But this is my copper crude trade because I actually think crude oil is going to stay relatively bid. But I don't know if you caught this today, Chris, or you know, while you were sleeping in North American trade, copper actually hit a new high and reversed pretty aggressively. So as a result, I'm actually looking to sell the Aussie Canadian cross as long as we stay below 94.50. And uh, that's going to be my play of the day. Well, I think I, was, I think the, the the copper had about a seven point two percent range. So you should have said that to us six months ago. I think we'd both be uh, we'd be holding our sides and chuckling profusely, wouldn't we? But uh, um, that's the world <laughs> we live in these days. And as you say, that's that's the markets we trade, and those are the markets we trade. And the markets we're trading right now are seeing incredible volatility, incredible range expansion, and you absolutely absolutely have to change the way that you trade for those dynamics, which means taking the risk out, taking the position size right down. If you want to survive and potentially thrive in these markets, if you want to stay in the game, you know, this is what you need to do. You need to adapt and, and, and change to what we're seeing there. And uh, yeah, that's it for the show. So if you find yourself liking it, obviously give us a like, leave a comment and Blake and I will be back. Um, hopefully this volatility continues in, in, in a way, but obviously we hope the news flow changes to be in a little bit more positive fashion. We'll see you next week for more of the trade-off.